Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Coast to Coast Combat Hour, brought to you by AllAccessMMA.com. I'm your host, Matthew Hawkins, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ed Carbajal. Ed, man, we waited for 254. Uh, it rolled around, and uh, I, you know, I, I, there were some surprises, but uh, yeah. quite, a, quite a night of action. Let me ask you, I mean, given that, I mean, it was super early for you. I, I know uh, for me, it was like a, at the perfect time. Outside of not going to jujitsu because I had you know I had to watch from start to end because I did coverage for MMANews.com, the my my editorial that I do for them, but the pacing to you did it seem like it was going super fast? Not super fast, but faster than you expect normally. Uh, maybe, maybe I I uh I didn't really notice. Uh, I mean, the prelims for me started at seven thirty in the morning. I'm not gonna lie, I, I DVR'd about the first hour. Um so that I could kind of get through some of the BS between the fights. And, and plus it gave me time on Saturday to still get my house in order over here and take care of the necessities. But I didn't really notice. Um, it did seem like it was pretty streamlined though. Now that you say it, I, I don't remember there being like a, a time where I had, you know, it seems like we have moments where you get like 30 minutes where sometimes there's just nothing happening. Uh, I don't recall anything like that. Maybe it was because it was a six fight main card. They didn't really have, yeah. they were, they were, there was not that downtime that a five fight would have made to get to your, you know, your three hour mark for a pay-per-view. Yeah. Because I was kind of just like, um, uh, the only times that I got like frustrated with time is when Bruce Bruffer took forever to introduce Khabib and Justin Gaethje to me. That seemed like a little longer than he normally does, but I was just like, I was, I was kind of happy with the pace and I'm usually, you know, usually complaining about commercials and stuff, but I think I had just enough time, uh, uh, the only thing I <laughs> I had to order delivery food like food delivery because since I didn't leave my house the whole time, and uh, I the only fight I kind of missed because it was so short was uh when uh, Hawes got his KO win, and uh, it literally like I went outside to to pick up the food from the Uber guy and came back upstairs and <laughs> he was celebrating and I was like okay that's that then <laughs> so yeah uh. I mean, I I should have gambled on this card. I went six and zero on the main card picks with about four of them by the proper uh, proper way to go. So, <laughs> oh, I miss it, Nolan. Thank you so much, man. And I uh, trust me, I'm I'm missing me some uh, comics, beer, and stuff like that. So, thanks for chiming in, Nolan King. Sorry about that, man. I just yeah, no, I saw that Nolan King chiming in for the audio listeners. Uh, he's actually at, we're we're going to talk about Bellator two fifty soon, but he's already there doing uh you know frontline work for MMA Junkie. Yeah, he's uh, eating donuts by himself. Uh, it's <laughs> Again, got <laughs> God. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, getting back to the card. So uh, yeah, I, I, the six fight main card um, prelims. I, I mentioned uh, that the uh, Struve Tuivasa fight would probably be something that would get some fireworks to head into the main card. That proved to be true as uh, as Paul C. Debaca, one of our uh, listeners and uh, watchers, C. Debaca. Talked about uh, on fight day. Uh, he was hoping for uh, Struve to go the way of James Vick, and uh, Struve did not let him down. He might get a Academy Award for uh, for best James Vick impersonation as he crumbled to the ground, uh, not using his size, length, strength, anything. Just, uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I, I, how are you a seven footer that never know. uses your length? I can't I can't disagree with you at all. I mean, that's one of the most frustrating things about watching any of his fights. It's like it's that I actually I've 
I've actually yelled that at my TV sometimes. I, I remember like way back when, like back when uh, we're going back like 2015, 2016, watching his fights when I used to live with my ex and, and I, I would tell her, I'm like, look at this guy. He's see, look, he, it's like, he doesn't know he's that big. <laughs> I, it, it, it's as if nobody ever introduced him to semi shield. I mean, he had the prototype 15 years before he started fighting basically of what he is and, and semi shield, although, you know, had, had his, his share of losses early on and stuff. He went on to become one of the greatest kickboxers mm-hmm. of all time, using his length and his long legs and arms and reach. And, um, not always the most exciting, but my God, man, I, I, uh, I, I don't know. I, to be seven foot and never, ever finish a guy with like a straight leg <clears> kick, <throat> or a, even a jab for that matter. Mm-hmm. I mean, the dude's friggin' huge, but, um, yeah, you know, that's kind of just one of the disappointing careers, I would say. Uh, he's, he's done, you know, he's got a million wins in the UFC. He's been around forever, but uh, Tuivasa picks up that big win. The main oh, no, card, Another big win, but, just before we go to the main card, I mean, the first fight on the, uh, the early, early prelims, Miranda Maverick coming from Invicta FC and showing the ladies what's up, man. Woo. She throwing, uh, some, throwing some heat. Yeah, she, uh, and I mean, I like I liked Joe Jua, but, uh, you know, the Miranda Miranda Maverick came. She's definitely she made a. I think she made a statement in her debut, and she's definitely looking to. Uh, uh, she's going to stir up that uh, the flyweight women's flyweight division for sure. Yeah, no, she was always a, a top contender in Invicta, and uh, mm-hmm. it's it's good to see you know the talent once it works its way to the UFC continue to be successful. So, yeah, I mean there was there was a lot of action, a lot of good fights, um, but again, getting back to the main card, the first fight, uh, the Ankalov. Kuntalaba, pretty much uh, yeah. what I say. I, I said I thought it, if it went a minute, I'd be surprised. Uh, yeah. It didn't. Uh, Kuntalaba goes down hard, uh, pretty much ending that little, uh, I don't know what we want to call it. It's not quite a rivalry. Uh, just the fight that, that you know, it, it, it ended uh, with, I think, the better fight, fighter winning, uh, Ankalev, and he moves to 14-1 and one now and uh, certainly a, a, a force to be reckoned with a bit. At that weight class, um, Lauren Murphy looked better. I, you know, I picked her to grind out a win. Mm-hmm. Uh, she looked good. Picked up <clears throat> the mission win of her career. Uh, yeah, played very safe in that fight too, which I, I don't. I know some. I saw some, uh, you know, comments online during the event that were kind of knocking her for not not taking out a short notice opponent so fast. But it's like, come on, if, if you're if you've done all the work she has, you don't really want to risk losing that either. So. Exactly. She was super smart. Uh, I mean, I know she keeps saying it's luck, but I, it's, I don't think it's with for her. It's not luck anymore. No, no, no. I mean, that just te- you you know you're getting good when people are criticizing you for finishing your opponent in eight minutes. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, late notice opponent or not, this is the UFC. These oppo- people are all supposed to be really good fighters. If the UFC is bringing in somebody that's supposed to be finished in the first round, then. Um, maybe that's not the fight that should be taking place, especially for a top mm-hmm. contender uh, as Lauren Murphy is. Um, I mean, I really couldn't deny her a title shot now. She's, she seems to have earned it. She got the finish. That was my criticism of her uh, last week was that I thought she would just play it safe and grind out a win. Uh, and uh, I thought, I thought she looked good. I, I was in, I was more impressed uh, with her also getting that finish than I, than I have been in, in many of her fights. So uh, good for Lauren Murphy. Uh, another Invicta, 
mm-hmm. you know, alum, alumnus that uh, that's come to the UFC and, and been successful. So that was the second fight. Uh, you mentioned Phil Hawes earlier. He came in, did had one of the most impressive UFC debuts of all time, mm-hmm. uh, 18 second KO, uh, basically one flurry, and it was all she wrote. Uh, kind of a, a Phil Baroni, Dave Monet. Uh, I think it was UFC 35 style uh, beatdown uh, as Hawes picks up the big win over Malkin. That brought us to the big three fights of the night. Um, and I think, you know, the six fighters that, that everybody basically in the MMA world is, is completely uh, knowledgeable on mm-hmm. uh, that started off with Alexander Volkov versus Walt Harris. Uh, again, not to pat myself too much on the back, but I got to take it when it comes. Uh, I believe I picked Volkov to win here by, uh, by finish. Yeah, we both uh, did. And uh, I'll pat you on the back then too, Ed. You can, <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, <laughs> but he but, did it. Uh, yeah. I mean, it just a perfectly placed, uh, what do you call it? I guess it was a teep kick basically to the mm. solar plexus, uh, right in the liver area. A lot of people thought initially it was a low blow. Uh, clearly the replay showed that it was a clean punt kick, uh, to the, to the solar plexus and, uh, and Walt Harris wasn't able to recover. Um, what do you what do you think about Volkov? I, I know he's had his up, he had his big ups and then he had his tough fight with Blades. Um, you know what do you what do you where do you think he goes from here? I don't know. I mean, he's definitely going to be like contenderish level as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I think that fight in particular we had talked about it the week before, and 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 it just kind of it just kind of uh, I don't want to say prove my point, but I mean because it's on. It's on. It's not a point. If it's it's facts, it's on paper. He just. I think he just had more experience, you know, and um, well, I think he just had the, the his experience trumped Harris's power, and uh, you know, even though Harris could put him away, you know, and again, you know, not 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 to bring up bad stuff with what happened with Harris outside of the cage or whatever, but it's just like uh, you know, it's just one of those things that there's, there's somebody that's more used to. Uh, to wars and you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's just an experience thing. I mean, it was great fight. I mean, I, I see him, uh, I see him getting up there. I just don't know if he's going to, um, he's, he's going to get to that like pay-per-view draw main event status. Yeah. That'll be interesting to see. I mean, uh, obviously they'll have to be an A side to that heavyweight title fight. If yeah. he gets there, I mean, I'm looking at the rankings right now and I believe we have, you know, assuming we get Nganu, Miosic, I can. Um, I mean, I have them ready to go. I might as well bring them up. Aren't we also? Uh, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't Derek Lewis and and Curtis Blades already on tap? Or am I imagining that? I feel like that's fight that's already uh, signed. Also, um, I didn't. And Volkov, I believe, called out Rosenstruck. So, uh, I mean, that fight makes all the sense in the world. Uh, also, Overeem in that mix. But uh, you know, heavyweight division starting to get a a nice little yeah, top he jumped five. up. You know, we're updated today just for folks that aren't aware the UFC updates them every Tuesday and uh Volkov jumped up to number six after after that you know I mean I I guess if I'm looking at that if I if I'm matchmaker I like Volkov Rosenstruck uh we got Lewis and Blades I think that's a kind of a terrible fight but I believe that's one that's already uh happening um, I think so too and uh and I like the idea of Overeem kind of just being the reserve fighter for almost all three of those fights, whether it's the title fight, uh, whether it's the rematch with blades or Rosenstruck or, or a fresh fight with Volkov or, or Lewis for that matter. Mm-hmm. 
you know, the lower you get, once you get past like five uh, or six there, obviously uh, we start getting to the Dos Santos's and, and the uh, uh, Olianix and, and the Walt Harris's. I think there's a, uh, you, there's a game change level right there. Uh, that's more noticeable, I think, in the heavyweight division than than in a lot of the other ones. Uh, it's it's becoming top heavy, so um, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if I see anybody there that's going to run that division for a long, long time. I feel like if it's not Stepe, I should say. Uh, you know, it seems like they got some big, big got some big punchers in there. That's going to uh, there could be a, a lot of changing of the guard uh, over mm-hmm. the next five years or so there. So yeah, so that was the big win for Volkov. Co-main event, uh, a fight that obviously is another one that yeah. people have been looking to for a long, long time. You know that changed. <clears throat> Robert Whitaker, Jared Cannonier. Uh, Whitaker just simply outclassed him. Um, kind of went the way I thought it would go. Uh, I uh, again, maybe it's because Whitaker was always fighting the Romeros and the the Wonder Boys mm-hmm. of the world. But I, I I I I'll be the first to admit that I probably underplayed his skills, and honestly, probably disrespected him in, in my evaluation yeah. of um, his. I, de- I definitely did because I didn't pick him. I thought the I thought Cannonier could pull it off. But even that, you just were going with a fighter you thought could pull. It, it wasn't. I I I mean I I. I, I'm so impressed with Whitaker right now that I, I just feel like he's his last two wins. Uh, I know you weren't as impressed in the till win, but I, uh, I thought that was a tremendous performance. And then this one was a, was a clinic on a, on a very dangerous fighter who was on a huge run. So um, I think Whitaker is pretty much, I, I don't see how you deny him another title shot. Uh, I don't, I know it didn't go well for him versus Adesanya, uh, but uh I think considering he was the champion, he was the defending champion. Um, I, I just think that that's a fight you got to give it to him. And, you know, I don't know if he beats Israel, but I certainly don't see it going the same way the first fight did. Um, I think he, I don't think he, we see him getting dropped and face planning on multiple occasions. Um, I think he's smarter than that now. And now I think he'll use that knowledge to, to be able to, uh, to extend the fight at least. Uh, obviously Adesanya always got that, sniper ability to, to put you down. But uh, again, I couldn't be more impressed with Whitaker. Um, I hope that's a fight that we're able to kind of push back um, and get another fight in a huge, uh, you know, whether it's New Zealand or Australia or uh, something like that. It, it would just, you know, again, I don't know how far we are away from that, but um, yeah. I, I just, some of these fights need to have that atmosphere. I, I feel like that's another one that we've built it up now over COVID time. Um, and now it's time that that should, that should be one of the the ones, you know, uh, maybe it's a giant stadium show with a McGregor fight or something when we can start having people, uh, maybe in Cowboy Stadium or something, considering you're going to have to, you know, still stack a card, even at a 30% capacity, uh, Cowboy Stadium. Yeah. But Dana White already went on record that, that he's not, he's not going to do any, you know, you know, half capacity or quarter capacity. He's like, we're not going to go to an arena if we can't fill it. So, yeah, but so that doesn't make any sense. He goes to arenas all the time; they can't fill. Yeah, well, <laughs> no, no, you're right, but but that's, I mean, his 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 uh, every time they've asked him, he's he's so far away from thinking about anything involving you know ticket sales and fans. He's just like, I'm not. He said that to, uh, uh, I think he said that to Mike Bone from Junkie. Oh, I'm sorry, um, what's his name? The guy that's always asking the questions first. John Morgan, and he was like, "No, I'm not. I'm not doing." Uh, he's like, "I'm not going to do 20 percent capacity if we can't fill the arena. Where we're not going." And I was, "Yeah, like, but 
twenty percent capacity in Cowboy Stadium is still twenty five thousand people. Yeah. Like I, I don't think he's. You know, I, I, I think not, he's just. You got to look at the business side of things. There's, they, they, there's definitely business that takes place when you, when you have to get a venue, and he's got his own. Anything he's going to do here, if he can do it in the apex, he's going to do it here because that's his. You know what I mean? I, it, I get it. Then I, I mean, profit, I, you know. I think we should call him out then next time he says none of this would be possible without the fans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, next, the next time he brags about a gate, we should just tell him that. I mean, we should we should call him on it and go, "What's the point of the gate? Sounds like that's just your, you know, White Castle money on the weekends. You know, like obviously that doesn't mean anything if you're going to put your your stars. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, not to be dramatic about it. I just it doesn't make. I feel like you got to. They're never. We're not just going to wake up tomorrow and they're going to go. Hey, you can have a hundred thousand people at a UFC fight. If Texas is willing to offer them twenty five thousand live fans, which is more than what holds in T Mobile, I would say that it, it probably wouldn't be the worst idea to. Uh, no, maybe but do I'm that sure. And- I'm sure. I mean, like, if, I'm sure. First, he says yes, but then. They just measure that, you know, they got to look at the return on the investment that they're going to make. Like if they have to spend money to get there and get fighters there and get COVID testing and all that, it's, you know, that that's what I think that's what it boils. That's why that's where it comes out. Chamayev comes from and all these, you know, opportunities and weird matchmaking that we're coming from. It's 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 what's the safest way to move forward and, and still do business, you know? Well, that sets up an interesting showdown then come January. If McGregor's saying he refuses to fight without fans and, Dana's saying yeah. there's not going to be fans. I, I have a hard time believing that that's going down. I don't think McGregor's the fighter that fights in an empty arena. His whole persona is building off the crowd and yeah. you know, doing his Jesus hands in the air thing in the middle of the ring. And <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's, that's his thing. Like, and that's not, that's, that's great. That's what's been one of his, uh, you know, attributes that, that have attracted fans to, to like him is his, his, uh, the show that he puts on. And I, it just seems so empty in an empty arena, but we'll see. I don't want to go too far onto that, but uh, Whitaker again, looks outstanding, picks up the win, uh, most likely in line for another title shot, barring something crazy. Um, Jake Sage chiming in. He doesn't see yeah. how a rematch without a Sanya would go any different. Uh, I, I, I tend to agree. I just think that it gets stretched out. I don't think we see him get starched. Uh, like he like he did. Uh, I think he's too smart for that, um, and, and I think he's just too too good of a fighter. Uh, it would be, it, you know, and maybe it's a case of Franklin to Anderson Silva. Maybe we do see the exact same thing, and but uh, I, I I expect I expect a better uh, Whitaker and maybe a more uh, uh, knowledgeable about his opponent. You know, just the experience of already having been in there. You don't see him. I, I think he's a smart enough fighter not to fall for the same trick twice. Uh, mm-hmm. And if you watch that fight, Adesanya's movements and, and there, he dropped him basically with the same, you know, kind of hip movement punch. So uh, I, I see that, but uh, main event, the fight that we waited for uh, came and went. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I don't really know what to Habib Nurmagomedov uh, dominates and picks up a triangle choke victory over Justin Gagey in the second round of their five-round championship mm-hmm. fight. I, I I don't even know what to say anymore. First of all, I'm going to get this off my chest. I think the judges that gave got, uh, Gagey the first round, two of the three judges gave Justin Gagey the first round. I don't even I can't even comprehend that in my mind. I, I watched that first round and I was actually in awe of what I was seeing. I can't mm-hmm. remember a time where there was five minutes of more pressure. Between the kicks, punches, and the Whoa. takedown threat, it, it just seemed like Gagey, there, he didn't have a chance to ever set up. He was on the defensive for yeah. all, 
you know, every second of that five minute first round. And yes, he did land a couple punches and he landed a couple kicks. Well, and that's the thing, though. Every, uh, the punches he landed and the kicks he landed were all power shots. And I think that's what the judges were focusing on. But they, they for some reason, I guess because um, Khabib was, he was, he, the jabs he was throwing were, were so, I don't, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for. They, they, they were meant to, to set up an entanglement. So they didn't look like much, which is probably why the judges, the judges didn't score for them. But I mean, I, they obviously, I, I think at the beginning of round two, they showed the 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 compu box or whatever they call it, the strike box, um, and and for the headshots, uh, Khabib landed more. So it just scares me. I mean, if that, if we would have had five rounds of that first round, they would have taken the belt from Khabib. I mean, mm. I didn't see that. I, I mean, I almost thought it was ten eight Nurmagomedov. I the amount of pressure and the Gagey, a Gagey, a fighter that we know is willing to go out there and just go balls to the wall, could do nothing other than kind of squat down in an uppercut position, in worried about that takedown. We're talking about a Division One wrestler. On top of that, he still got taken down and mounted within about five seconds of the first round. You know, he got saved yeah, by the but bell. He, he baited him. He didn't. He didn't do like traditional takedowns, which is one of the things that Gagey did a lot of media afterward because Khabib, you know, just left. Um, but um, one of the things he addressed when 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 looking back at the fight was like, I need to focus on my MMA wrestling and I need to focus on my jujitsu, obviously because of the submission loss. But um, if you if you rewatch those fights, especially especially the 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 takedown that you know brought us to the end, he uh, one of the things that Khabib did was try you know trying trying to get them to entangle so he can go into and go into grapple mode. Was that uh, I guess he noticed that Gaethje was overcommitting on all the strikes. You know, you could hear him, you know, ex- you know, uh, exhale because he was trying to throw everything, you know, with uh, bad intentions. And uh, the second one and the the, the, the final one, uh, he overextends and and Khabib kind of takes it and wraps himself around and spins Gaethje around to make him and, and turn. It's it's more like a trip than a, a your traditional takedown. But it's 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 a really nice setup, and the fact that I mean that's what I guess that's how good you get when you've been fighting since you could walk, you know. Yeah, I mean it's just to me it's 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 just so impressive. I mean, whether no matter what way he used to get him down, I mean the reality was he made Justin Gagey look like me trying to stop the takedown. I mean there was it was it was down he was down mounted he was down mounted and submitted in like fifteen seconds. A Division One wrestler, well, you know. I mean, I again, I, I maybe it's you know this happened so recently, so there's a bias, but you know, I don't, I can't, I just, I don't think there's ever been wanna, a more dominant fighter than Khabib Nurmagomedov. You want to know what's crazy is that the setup was the same in both the end of round one and the one he got to finish was literally the the exact same setup where he where he. So if you watch the, if you remember the fight, he goes for the armbar at the end of round one, um, and um, he didn't. He he could have taken that, and I really couldn't see why he didn't take the armbar until I don't know if you saw the the clip from Helwani in DC that was on Twitter today, where where uh, Daniel Cormier said he talked with Khabib about it. And he said I did that because he knew Gaethje wouldn't tap from a from a joint submission, which is why he went for the choke because he was like he he actually likes Justin Gaethje. They both have the same manager. They've they have some history together that folks know about by now, but. Um, he was like, I know if I, you know, he said, he told Daniel Cormier and Daniel Cormier said today on DC and Hawani, um, 
that he didn't want to do a joint submission because he didn't want to hurt him because he knew he wouldn't tap. So that was an arm break. And the only reason I believe that is because when uh, when he went for the arm bar, um, Gaethje was doing something else with his other hand. So one of the defenses is if you do like a, a rear naked choke, if, if this arm is being attacked, you, you hook it behind your arm and you do like a rear naked choke position and you grab the other guy's leg. So you have to use both arms for this type of defense to work. Khabib had both legs over and he was, arm was through and it looked like he could have just yanked it out because Gaethje's other arm was out here somewhere and he didn't pull it out. And it was, it was at the end of the round and I'm like, okay, you know, first watching it, I'm like, oh, wow, Gaethje must be really strong to just hold it like that. Maybe the glove was caught behind the knee because um, it was kind of uh, – Khabib had his top leg pinched really hard, so maybe the thickness of the glove was was what was keeping him from yanking it out. But then we see him do the exact same setup. He falls back if you if – you, when they start running clips of it again on some on YouTube or whatever the UFCs is, watch how he falls back for the second time before the, the uh, triangle choke. He still falls back with the with the arm on behind his uh, armpit with the uh, the the joint across his hip. That's actually a really bad arm bar. Like if you crank it all the way, but instead he opted for the triangle. Which is the bad thing about that is if when you fall back for the triangle in that position, um, and you don't get it, then you're in, you're on the bottom and you're in a bad position. Which is why uh, the ref didn't you know Gaethje went out on that choke because the ref. The ref thought there was a scramble still happening there because of how fast it happened and the way it sequences it happened. But that's actually a, a drilled move that a lot of a lot of guys do. You know, try, if they if they get flipped over when they're going for the armbar, the guy gets up. You're supposed to go for a triangle. So he already had it. He was already choking him by the time Gaethje moved his hips around to try to pull out, and he tapped. But it looked like he was still trying to get out. I saw the tap happen when it happened, mm-hmm. but. You know, Khabib's the type of guy that he didn't let go. He just kept squeezing, and he was out. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, I said all that to say, I mean, the, the guy's just that good. He, he used the same setup from Mount to literally take one of two attacks, and he took the nicer attack. It's crazy. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I mean, We kind of had seen it before a little bit with Matt Hughes and, and Hoist Gracie at UFC 60. Um although Hughes tried the arm bar a lot longer. Mm-hmm. Um, once he realized Hoist was uh, basically going to allow his arm to snap, I think Hughes decided to show a little mercy yeah. um, and realized that there was no, he wasn't going to gain anything by snapping a legend's arm. And, and no. Khabib, I think kind of insinuated the same, not, not a legend, but uh, it seems to me what he mentioned something about uh, Justin's parents watching the fight and mm-hmm. um, considering what he'd just gone through with his dad passing, he thought it would just be disrespectful and uh, just, just not, not the most humane thing to do to have them be forced to watch their son uh, have his well, limbs snapped. So when when uh, Gaethje spoke with Megan Olivi after the fight, he addressed uh, his bottom defense and was like, "I have to work on that." You know, I mean, I I didn't even realize because he's never been there. So it's it's one of those things. That's I mean, not for nothing. Mar- anyone that trained martial arts, you that's how you know what you have to work on by getting caught in these bad positions. You know. And you have to put yourself there to train them. And, you know, uh, he's been fighting for so long and, and he's just, you know, it, you start to believe that you're never going to be there until you're there, you know. And um, now that he's been there, I, I mean, I think I'm going to tell you this. I still think a UFC title belt is is not far from Gaethje's waist. 
I really do think he's going to be a champion one day, just obviously not against Khabib. No, and so at the at the end of the fight, uh, Khabib gave his speech, left his glove in the ring, retired from MMA at 29 and 0. Uh, probably the first professional athlete I've ever believed um, that mm-hmm. he's actually retiring. I don't know if it's because of his devote uh, religious beliefs. Uh, he just doesn't come across as somebody that would uh, go against what he says. Yeah, uh, he seems like a, a pretty straight shooter. And uh, I, I, I believe that he's going to retire um, at 29 and 0 at 32 years old. Um, God, I, I mean, I look at the rankings now and you take Khabib out of that, you know, we might go like two years before there's another takedown in a UFC lightweight title fight. <laughs> Who's going to take somebody down? Yeah. I mean, so, you know, if, if DeBronx gets to the final to get to a championship fight, I mean, but in general, there's not when that top five, six, there's not a whole lot of takedowns. We're gonna and, here's, see- and, and, and we still have because he hasn't fought yet. He's not even in in the top right. 15. Michael Chandler's going to be popped into the top 15 somewhere once he gets a fight. in. so, I mean, uh, you know, once this this will be a probably updated next week, I'm sure that the. the uh, this because because once Khabib is like officially officially retired, they have to remove him from this stuff because then then you have the lightweight title picture. So like I don't even know, you know, it's like J- Justin Gaethje. That's the other thing. Justin Gaethje he lost this fight, but he kind of didn't lose his position. Like he's probably still next in line for a title fight when you when you think about it. Like he it's probably going to be him versus somebody for for a UFC lightweight title. And now we just got to figure out who, because uh, you, you keep seeing Tony Ferguson uh, being com- uh, matched up with Chandler, and then uh, McGregor and Poirier already, you know, for for January. So who, who, who's, you know what I mean? Like, like. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't. I, I we just talked about it. I don't. I don't think McGregor. I don't know if McGregor does McGregor fight a title fight with no crowd. I just can't. I can't get around that in my head. So I let's let's throw Connor out of there. He's supposed to fight Justin Poirier. I think I think that I don't. Yeah. We I mean, so Connor let's out, and, yeah. and and I don't. You know, I I don't know. I the deserving guys on that list, give or take losses on the list currently, not including Chandler. I think the the championship fight should be Tony Ferguson versus Justin Gagey, although they're both coming off a loss. To mm-hmm. me, that's the two guys that kind of worked their way up there. And Ferguson, through a million other ways, never got his shot at, at Khabib. And uh, and Gagey just, you know, I, if it wouldn't surprise me to throw Chandler in there either. I mean, we saw a, a promo cut for him during a UFC pay-per-view. Yeah. I, don't rem- I, don't, I can't remember the last time that's ever happened. That, that, yeah, that, well, they, they I did mean. They did a promo for, for a, a free agent that was signed. Yeah, they didn't do that for Eddie Alvarez. You're right. Um they didn't do it for Adesanya. They yeah. didn't do it for, you know, I don't remember anybody. I mean, the only thing close to it was like the return of Brock Lesnar at UFC, uh, <laughs> you know, 199 when they announced that, that he was coming back for that fight at 200. Well, I figure, I mean, I, I think they're putting Chandler and, and Gaethje's name together just because it's like, you know, Ferguson lost. Gaethje got obviously to number one because of that. And then, you know, Poirier. And, I mean, I, I wouldn't actually, I wouldn't mind Chandler and Poirier. I, think, I feel like that's a more fun fight. Um, but uh, the history with McGregor and Poirier and, and they've negotiated their own fight. I guess that's going to happen. You know, may, maybe it's going to happen to in, uh, but then they just shut Ireland, everything down in Ireland again, like this week. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know exactly what, what's going on worldwide as far as what's open, what's not. I don't know what's open or what's not in my own 
my own town. So uh, <laughs> I don't know who uh, Jeff is, but Jeff says, "Hey, man." <laughs> all right, um, <laughs> Jeff. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I just I just look at that, and there's a lot of bangers on that list. I I think we're in for a hell of a run. We know what would happen if this was Bellator. If this was tournament, Bellator, we, tournament, tournament, yeah. UFC, I doubt will do it. I don't know, and, no. and I I don't think. And I don't think these. I don't think you could get eight guys to sign their name to a tournament. Um, to be honest, I, I think there's too much, uh, too much pride. I don't think anybody's taking the seventh seed in a tournament or anything like that. All these guys think that they're deserving of a title shot. And there's about four or five guys on that list that that could easily be there. We mm-hmm. do know that the UFC is going to do whatever they can to get Conor McGregor a, a title. We that's a given. Uh, <laughs> it's just it's just going to be how can yeah. they do it without making it look look like they're giving him a title. So I, 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 I don't know, but, uh, you know, again, Khabib just, uh, just amazing. I, I, is he the greatest fighter of all time? I don't know. I, I I'm always on Fedor's bandwagon. That's just how it is. Um, if Fedor would have t- retired at 32, he would have retired at 31 and one. And I think we would be talking about him still being considered the greatest fighter of all time. Um, well, you know, what? I mean, we, we got to talk about the pound for pound thing and all of this all time shit mm, anyway. So yeah, we might, so, so might as well end, use that to segue into that. Yeah. At the end of his interview, uh, Habib basically didn't demand, but he asked the UFC to do the right thing in his mind, make him the number one pound for pound fighter uh, so that he could basically mm-hmm. truly retire uh, on top of, of what is considered the, the top list essentially uh, for every fighter across the globe. Although these are UFC fighters yeah. universally known as the best, excuse me. Um, I, uh, the big thing on this, obviously that came out was we saw John Jones uh, who, who decided to put out a video. I watched about three quarters of it. I don't, I don't That's need a history lesson from John Jones. Yeah. Uh, I think we all know the reality <laughs> of, of what uh, we all saw him fight. Anybody who's watched uh, Habib fight has watched John Jones fight. So I don't think he should, he needs to really convince anybody. Um, I just, I don't, uh, I, I do think it's a little bit uh, weird for Habib to jump, jump into the top spot when he asks for it. I get that. I think it's kind of a promotional thing, kind of a respectful thing on the way out. The yeah. door. Again, yeah. as you say, Come next week, he's he's picture his name's not even going to be on the list. John Jones will go back to number one. And yeah, it's it's his- and that's the whole thing. Like like I mean, not for nothing. This these rank <clears throat> the rankings are are we know the rankings have been bullshit for a long time, but I, I know it's just a bragging point. But I think the fact that he let go of his title, he hasn't fought lately, and you know now he's uh you know the the his old belt is up for grabs. Plus this is it's it's just it, I mean. He, he's being kind of an egomaniac, and the the truth of the matter is, I mean, list, not for nothing, the greatest of all time, pound for pound, whatever list you look at, it's relative to when things are happening in the sport. It's been around for 25 years. Khabib's not going to be on the thing for another 25 years. This is probably for this week, you know, until something else happens, or maybe for a couple of weeks until, you know, some one of the other guys fight and, and, and it changes again. However, the rankings change every Tuesday. Every Tuesday, for him to make that much of a stink about it, it's really like it's it doesn't. It's a bad look for him, and you're only underlying why Khabib just got jumped up over you because you know he'll say something once and you do what you do about it, or or, or nothing happens, and he'll go about his business. So it's it's childish, and we <laughs> yeah. saw the same thing when uh, 
he tries to take the 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 steam away from Cormier and Cormier's fights, or you know, after Stipe won the championship, uh, yeah. it was the same thing. He's on Twitter. He's trying to, uh, you know, it, it just to me, it's a bad look. And and for me, the greatest three fighter, John Jones is right up there. But mm-hmm. for an old school fan, for me, it's always going to be Fedor, GSP, and Anderson Silva. Those are going to be the three statues that that i'm putting up there yeah the um, uh, mount your mount rushmore there yeah yeah, yeah i need another one you know you, you can yeah. interchange the other the, the fourth one that's that's anything but i guess my point is you will never find a video of anderson silva gsp or fedor ever referring to themselves as the greatest fighter of all time the greatest fighter of all time doesn't have to tell people he's the greatest fighter. Of all time. <laughs> yeah, he, just, he just is ali yeah. was different ali sold it also most people don't consider Ali actually the greatest fighter of all time. He was the greatest boxer, the greatest showman, the greatest, Mm. you know, maybe human being who ever boxed. I mean, great human being, but you know, Sugar Ray Robinson, there's other guys that people. Yeah. It's like I said, it's it's relative to the time that the sports have. You have to, you want to be relevant to your, to your time pound for pound. Khabib literally just ended his time in the sport again. Uh This is just a uh, just is just a here. Thank you for your service. We're gonna you know employee of the month, whatever you want to call it. They're doing this now. I mean, if 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 I don't understand, maybe maybe it's the, the lockdown getting to him and then the stuff going because I know there was there was some stuff out near him in New Mexico with the riots and stuff. But it's like you know, come on, dude. Like like okay, let let just let him have his spot. You're gonna you're probably gonna be there again soon. You know, like. He obviously has an issue with some self-doubt. I mean, we are talking about somebody who's who, even though was considered basically the greatest fighter in the current era, was caught busted doing steroids. I mean, mm-hmm. we're we're not. This is he's not. He doesn't come across as the the most mentally strong human being that has ever stepped into a cage. He seems like he needs this constant appreciation towards him. And again, the the, the three greats I mentioned, you'll never see it. it, it talked about obviously as jake mentions there is a recency biased that's why mm-hmm. i'm trying not to jump the gun here and, and call uh, habib the greatest fighter of all time i just know that i've seen a ton of fights i've seen i, I again i don't need to you know we know what the deal is i just don't i i can't think of a single guy who ever dominated anybody i mean i wrote it in an article for one of my hawk's nest articles uh, <laughs> after the ufc 205 there in new york that was the first time i had seen uh, habib fight live and he fought michael johnson and I had just never seen that kind of just domination. I mean, there yeah. it's 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 unheard of. Uh, I I mean, for a dude. No, I mean, to to go twenty nine and zero. I mean, I mean, you know, people are arguing about quality of appointment uh, of opponents and things like that. The how hard this sport is. Never never mind the level of competition. I mean, there's people that that try MMA, do a couple of amateur fights, and never even make it to the pros. So to think to not only to go twenty nine and zero, but to do it as a professional and fight your way all the way up to the UFC's level, and and never lost lose a fight, let alone maybe a, a couple of rounds, you know, based on who's judging, <laughs> like like it's 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 crazy that I mean he's definitely like for me yes he's up there with with uh you know I always consider George St Pierre like the Michael Jordan of MMA and stuff like that because. Uh, certain things he did with, with the way he carried himself and things like that. But I mean, he's definitely up there. He's de- even George St. Pierre did an interview after his fight was saying, he's like, wow, he's the guy's amazing. I mean, look at, 
I th- I literally thought we were going into four or five rounds, him and Gaethje, and and I, I was immediately at the, at the end of the first round, I was like, this ain't going five rounds. Well, I mean, look at some of these other fights we get at lightweight. I mean, Poirier, Gaethje, these guys are known for like the blood bass they put on. Mm-hmm. Khabib never bled in a <laughs> single one of his twelve UFC fights. When you right. look down the list, even some of the lower, smaller names, Abel Trujillo was known as just a bomber who would put people's lights out, couldn't touch him. Uh, RDA, uh, Dos Anjos, again, another guy who is known for getting in people's faces, former champion, couldn't touch him. Uh, Michael Johnson, I mentioned. Barboza, Iakenta, McGregor, Poirier, Gagey. Are you tell- if you told me that somebody would go through that run and never have a cut, I mean, that's just, it is, it is so, it's a level that I don't think we'll ever see before again. Um, no. And I'm not, I don't, I don't like to say that. I mean, the thing about Fedor was amazing is that he had his issues of getting slammed on his head. He had his Fujita moment. He had, you know, there was, he had some uh, adversity to come back from. Habib never put himself in that. I mean, there was, uh, when when people have to go, well, look, Michael Johnson might have landed one punch on him and it might have dazed him. I mean, that's that's where we get to, and, or or uh, Gagey landed that uppercut. You know, I mean, when when we have to speculate whether a punch hurt somebody over somebody's twenty nine fight career, it, it's it's just incredible. And I, I I I hope he stays retired. I hope he does whatever's best for him and his family. Um, I I just I am I'm I'm so happy that I got to see him fight. Um, not only in person but on TV. Uh, I mean, it's just something that that yeah. all of us as fight fans should always be keeping in mind to remind the next generation of kids and and MMA fighters about these guys because yeah. we're the only one who's going to keep it alive. You know, you have to. You know, uh, Nolan King. Uh, I saw he posted something about Anderson Silva, who we're going to get to here shortly. Mm-hmm. You know, talking about how great he was and how much he meant to him. Nolan King's got the voice to get that out to a lot of people. And I think, you know, even if it's every year just reminding people on the greatness that there was of GSP, of Anderson Silva, of Fedor, of Mighty Mouse, of Habib, of, uh, you know, Conor McGregor. I mean, whoever it is, we we need to – we don't have the record history like other sports have. And I think it's up to people like you who do writing, uh, like me who like to talk, like Nolan, uh, like John Morgan, all these guys to constantly be reminding people of the history and the greatness that we've seen. So, I mean, I just think it's great. I, I'm honored to have witnessed his career. And again, to see him fight live in person three times uh, is is something that, that I'll cherish uh, forever. So that wraps up Khabib. Now, now, uh, God, we got two more big subjects to get to. I guess let's jump to Bellator real quick before we uh, we end on the Anderson Silva uh, topic. Bellator two fifty kicks off this Thursday on CBS Sports Network. Early start time. Main card starts at uh, eight o'clock Eastern. Uh, so especially West Coast people, although it does appear to be only a three-fight main card on CBS Sports, set your DVRs if you uh, if you got to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I will be rushing home uh, DVR not to try to catch it, um, but the prelims also, I believe, start at 5 Eastern uh, on their YouTube uh, channel and I believe the Bellator app as well. So huge fight, Musasi, Lima, middleweight supremacy after Lovato uh, retired. This is the super fight that Bellator could put on. I can't think of a single fight in Bellator history that even comes to close to matching this fight. Um, you know, you got to go to, I guess, Rory, Rory Musasi. Um, but this one just feels different to me. Uh, I, I 
I know you you love the fight as well. So why don't you why don't you give me your take on uh, on how you see it in unfolding a bit? Well, I'm a little. Uh, I had a take, and then um, I I kind of changed it. I don't know if you um, uh, for MMAnews.com. You know, I, I spoke to both of these guys uh, back in March, the week COVID hit, and then obviously you know we've had all these months in between with everyone dealing with you know main, maintaining stuff and and things like that. So. We got updated interviews with some of the guys on on um, uh, Bellator 250 over at MMAnews.com YouTube channel. James Lynch, who was actually was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, spoke with um, Mustasi, and he said he had some issues with his knee. And uh, you know, during the time that uh, that he, you know he the downtime with COVID and waiting for um, you know because they're waiting. Remember how we were concerned uh, May June, like we were waiting like. May, June, July came, and we were kind of like, okay, you know, let's get it. Everybody's back with Bellator, and we were, like, worried about it. And uh, so apparently during that time, uh, he had an issue with his knee that he had taken care of. I mean, he says he's ready to go, obviously. No fighter's going to say they're not ready to go, especially on fight week. So, But just when I heard that, uh, I was I was concerned about it. And, and I, I, um, I want to say that, I mean – Lima seems to have just gotten better too over the years. I mean, especially you know went the whole thing with one at one seventy with Rory. I, I just I feel like um, I feel like this is uh, this might be uh, double champ time for for Lima. It's just because of just because of what Musasi said lately. But again, if you st- if you see any interview with Musasi, he always he always seems like he'd rather be doing something else. So yeah, I I mean. To me, they're they're uh, God, it's a spectacular fight. I gotta go it with is. Musasi, yeah. um, and I, I'm gonna go yeah. with Musasi based off of uh, what I perceive to be a size difference. Um, that will be seen, obviously, when they step into the cage. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Lima traditionally is a natural 170 pound fighter. I can't recall any times of him really having trouble making weight. Um, Maybe somebody will correct me on that, but I don't. I can't think of a time where I remember him having issues uh, at 170. Whereas uh, Musasi's fought everybody from Mark Hunt to uh, mm-hmm. you know Machida and every everybody you know uh, through the light heavyweight and the middleweight division, really worldwide. Um, <laughs> I I, I got to go with the size. I think his strength will be a little bit too much. I don't think he's going to finish off Lima. Uh, I don't know if I don't see that unfolding. Uh, I think we're going to have a hell of a stand-up war. I just see Musasi getting a f- little bit better of it and uh, and squeaking something out. I think he wins like four rounds to one, but I think it's one of those fights where when it goes to the cards at the end, you're still not 100% how the judges see a couple of the rounds. You know, you know it's funny? Uh <laughs> When I talked to uh, Musasi in, in New York back in March, one of the things he said, he was like, he's like, you know, when I don't do good, it's because I really don't feel like fighting. But for this fight, I, I feel like fighting. And I was just like, all right, that's that's your quote. That's what you, that's what you want to run with and market this. But, but that's a, it. Just, that's, that's him. Like yeah, you no, said, it's like, funny. Yeah. Like, that's a perfect quote for him. And that's something that we have to see how it unfolds. Uh, he has had lackadaisical fights where he's – lost to or uh like in the situation with uh jardine keith jardine when he fought him in strike force it ended up going to a draw mm-hmm. uh where he's kind of fought down to his opponent's abilities uh pound for pound skill skill wise uh musasi is is in the pinnacle of that 
there are very few people in all of mixed martial arts in any weight class that have the skills and the tool package that he he is he, capable of bringing yeah. on on any on any night. He does seem ready for anything that 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 Lima might be trying to to uh, bring because uh, in that interview he did with Lynch, he also said that uh, you know he was like you know he might maybe he'll try to surprise me and take me down because because you know that's that's where he feels he's stronger than him with you know if on the ground if if they go to the ground Musashi feels like he's got the advantage but you know that is something that you know as fighters tend to do to each other you know whatever you think whatever you think my weakness is you know I'll I'll take you there just just to mess with you and, and surprise you with it has happened before you know and uh, you know I, I um I that that's also very telling of where he is mentally so he looks like he's ready to go Jake chiming in again with a question on our, uh, on our comment things, asking me if I, th- if I think he gives Usman a run for his money. I think Musasi gives every, anybody a run for their money mm-hmm. uh, from about 225 pounds <laughs> down. I, uh, I, I think he's that good. I don't think he beats everybody. Obviously um, he does have seven losses, although he has 46 wins. Um, I, I, I just think he's as skilled a, a fighter as we have out there. Uh, he just doesn't always bring the killer killer attitude to the cage. Yeah. Um Usman, Usman, I mean Usman's uh 170 pound fighter, so I mean Musasi's gonna be gonna have gonna be big on him. But just like I, I project this fight with Lima. Until we see him in the cage, I don't know. Um mm-hmm. in my mind I'm thinking that Lima's gonna be like what like in my mind I'm thinking Lima's like one ninety and I'm thinking Musasi's gonna be like two oh five, two ten. Oh they um, match up pretty well frame wise from what I remember. I mean um I have pictures. And I I don't I don't have them up that I could bring up right now. They're in my phone and some cloud location. But um, I mean they they, they size up match up pretty well frame wise. Maybe Lima's got a bit of a mass uh, advantage over Musasi, but I mean we've we've seen that doesn't matter for him um, just because of his skill set. So it's definitely going to be fun. I mean I I, uh, I mean I know we got another fight on Saturday that we're going to talk about in a bit, but I feel like I do feel like that's going to be a fun fight to watch. It might be the, if we're talking about fight of, you know, the night for Thursday night and Saturday night, I feel like the one that's going to be more entertaining. Our entertainment value is it's this one. Yeah. I mean, that's the fight. This is the fight that means the world. This is for like big dog status in Bellator. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking uh, the name and Musasi who's come there and done his thing. Uh, I Lima's think kind of, done talking about that. Yeah. Lima's kind of the lifetime uh, Bellator fighter. Now that Chandler's out the door, mm-hmm. um, it's really is, is Lima and, and, uh, and Patricio Pitbull now are kind of the, the, uh, the old school guard uh, of Bellator that are, they're still on top of the world. So, uh, I, I don't, I think it's great. Jacob Gwynn get asked about Izzy Adesanya. Musashi Adas- Musashi Adesanya is a dream matchup for the ages. Um, I'm not going to pick a winner because I don't think you can pick a winner, but that would be a fight that would be about as good as, as humanly to be made. Uh, at the it, you should definitely check out that interview he did with Lynch. Cause Lynch, they, uh, they talked about Adesanya, both Musasi and Lynch. And, um, you know, Musasi seems very impressed with Lynch. So, you know, you never know, uh, you know, obviously, well, you obviously that fight's not going to happen before someone retires, but still, um, you know, the fact that Musasi is impressed with Adesanya, I think that's a little telling of uh, you know maybe maybe there might be a little bit of awe there too. I mean, Adesanya is is he's another guy that's got a high undefeated number that you know it, there's a reason you know yeah 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 you know hard not to be in awe and, and that would be an amazing fight. Uh, 
co-main event on this fight, you talk about banger of the weekend, the really the fight that might be the, the, the stand up and not believe what you're watching fight could be the Henry Corrales, Brandon Gertz fight. We're not going to break it down Two guys who tend to go out there and uh, leave it in the cage that has potential for uh, just bleed fans to, uh, to be celebrating <laughs> on Thursday night. So that's Bellator. Um, that brings us to the last uh, five, six minutes of the show. Uh, I feel like uh, it would be a disservice not to mention that this Halloween Saturday night will be the final fight for Anderson, the spider Silva as he faces Uriah Hall uh, on a UFC fight night card. Uh, for me, uh, I, I, I know you have a uh, love uh, you know, for Anderson Silva. I know he's meant to you a lot as a martial artist uh, over your time. I think you kind of expressed that when he fought Adesanya, uh, how much it meant to kind of see him compete like that uh, and keep well, fighting. Well, it was just a great fight. I mean, just, you, you enjoyed the fight. Yeah. Again, at the time, it wasn't yeah. necessarily my cup of tea. Uh, looking back on it, I, I, I tend to like it more. Uh, to me, Anderson Silva is just royalty of the sport. Uh, I will never forget sitting around the first time that he came to the UFC and he fought Chris Lieben. Uh, and I was at a friend's house, uh, a friend mm. who watched the fights, uh, but he wasn't as up on the on the international world. And I remember looking at him and going, this is the first international fighter that the UFC has signed that is going to change the way that we see the fights. And he's going to change just he's going to change the, the, the atmosphere of MMA. And about 46 seconds later, he put Lieben, who's known for being one of the toughest, durable fighters uh, in the history of fighting uh, with his chin and his, his zombiness to come forward. Uh, Anderson Silva put him down, dominated him in the mo- in spectacular fashion. If people haven't seen that fight, it's 46 seconds of your time, something like that, give or take. Uh, definitely go back and watch his debut in the UFC. It is it is fireworks from start to finish. But just, I mean, a great a great fighter. Uh, I in my personal experience watching him live, I didn't I saw his downs. I saw him lose to Weidman. I saw him beat Chael Sonnen in their rematch. Um, so a, a little bit, and I saw him fight Cormier in, in, in basically what was an exhibition fight uh, to help save save the card. Uh, just a just a tremendous. Never said anything extremely disrespectful that we were aware of. Uh, I don't know what Ed Soares uh, edited out over any of those years uh, doing his uh, doing his uh, translations. Uh, but just a true gentleman of the sport, uh, someone that will, uh, someone that will, uh, you know, it, it, we're going to miss him. You know, I know you will as a fight fan. I know I will. I, I know everybody will. And I think that, uh, I mean, I, I don't know who listens to this show. Uh, I don't know who has the capability of getting a hold of people, but I think it would be a disservice to Anderson Silva if ESPN did not simulcast his fight on ESPN on Saturday night, a Halloween night. What's going to go on set? What's going on set? We got some college football games or whatever. Put those college football games on, on ESPN news for 15 minutes and put Anderson, the spider Silva's last fight on ESPN. Don't bury him on ESPN plus. They're That's, gonna, I find that. <laughs> and, and I, so that, that bothers me. Hopefully maybe, maybe that'll get into somebody's ear. If it does, uh, I think it would be a great moment, but I'll leave it to you, Ed, to kind of wrap up here with your opinion on Anderson. But to me, I'm just I'm grateful again, like I said with Habib, that I, I got the opportunity to watch his career from start to finish, and and he left me in awe and entertained me for for almost two decades. Remember when he got heel hooked by uh, what's his face in Pride? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean that that that's one of the things to me that 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 just it was 
for for Anderson Silva, I mean, when he lo- he lost there, people were like, oh. And then he got to the UFC and he started cleaning the house. People were like, oh, man, he was like a, he was like a B fighter in pride. Look at him now. And it's just like, to me, that was kind of like the thing that, that I used to say, listen, don't sleep on the guys from pride because look at what they can do. You know what I mean? So Anderson Silva was that guy for me. Um, you know, I, I guess uh, the, now it's the former Strike Force fighters that are those people now in, in the UFC. But you know what I mean? When you're talking about when, it, like you said, from when Anderson got there, and the way he rose up and, the you know, a lot of the feuds, <laughs> one of the most historical feuds, there's going to be an ESPN 30 for 30 or about it or something. Him and Chael Sonnen's, uh, you know, fights, that I mean, that 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 not only elevated his own legacy, but, you know, Chael Sonnen kind of got, you know, he was the he was the heel in that situation. And, um, you know, bad the, the, the gangster is not the gangster. If it was, you know, they did that 30 for 30 for Liddell and Ortiz. And they, and they say like you know everyone has to have that. I mean that that's the same dynamic that uh, uh, Silva and Sonnen had. Um, so the the legacy doesn't exist without the other guy for any of those fighters. And and uh, you know I, I definitely uh, yeah you know I know he's had his his, his uh, bouts with the PED stuff or whatever. But you know this is because they started looking. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know I mean from for as long as we've been watching fights with freak show fights from Pride and stuff like that. You know what I mean? It, it that 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 goes to me. That's like all right. You know, it is what it is. You know that that's what happens when you keep trying to fight after forty. I mean, we, sometimes our vitamins, uh, not all the ingredients, aren't on the labels. You know what I mean? So uh, we'll leave it at that. But I mean, yeah, I, I I don't I don't get sentimental about stuff like that because I also hate to see fighters fight too long. So um, I don't want him to get like you know. God forbid he gets uh, one of those Uriah Hall freaking Tekken kicks and and you know that that that'd be scary too because don't let we talked about Musasi and and fight all his losses Uriah Hall caught him with one of them video game moves so uh, I would hate to see that happen I hope it goes the distance I actually kind of hope it's it's uh, reminiscent of him and Adesanya because that 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 was like a moment for me just because it was two really good martial artists that respected one another's skill that were that were almost almost at the same level. Obviously, Adesanya was a better man, and but but uh, you know there was a round there that Anderson Silva did win. So let's uh, let let's uh, give the man his due. I mean, I hear you, Matt. But ESPN don't give a shit about MMA that much. I know, I know they they just got it on there, and that's the re- the reason for their uh, ESPN Plus subscribership. But I mean, not for nothing, football and all that, all all them stick and ball sports. That's still their go. That's still their. Uh, their oh, top, I get it. Top I get it. I just I just think it's I think it's crazy that his retirement fight he's in the ufc this isn't fedor fighting for m1 in in chechnya you know that, that when during his yeah. first retirement run this is this is anderson silva this is the guy that you know he he didn't carry the ufc but uh you know i have a lot of friends who only can name like three or four ufc fighters yeah yeah, yeah. and he's every one single one can name anderson silva yeah you know guys girls young old i mean anderson silva is what the ufc was all about for a for a huge period of time. And yeah. I just think it would, I think it would be respectful for them to the go to this guy that Burger King sponsored. Like, like he got a really, he's like the first guy that got big spots. Uh, it, it probably was. I, it's yeah. hard. It's hard to remember that stuff, but Nike my God, or, I, you know, yeah, he had his Nike. He, he had his uh, Anderson nose and uh, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I mean, he just, just a superstar and a rarity for somebody that spoke very, very little English. I mean that if anything, that should tell you, <laughs> 
what how great somebody is. Hey, listen, um, if you're gonna miss him, he'll live forever on Tommy Toehold's videos because uh, <laughs> he, <laughs> I I always love Tommy Toehold's uh, rendition of uh, or version of Anderson Silva because of because of his uh, I don't want to quit uh, you know attitude that he has. So that'll be on that'll probably live on over there. But yeah, it's definitely uh it's definitely going to be a, a, a like you said it, it should be on regular ESPN. Yeah, it should be. You know, if the if the MMA gods want to give the fans a treat, a flying knee, hell, yeah, maybe yeah. a maybe maybe a rolling thunder knockout or just some kind yeah. of crazy chaos for him. Uh, you know, a, a spinning or a, a spinning heel hook. Maybe he he returns the favor. You know, fifteen twenty years later, I don't know. I, I just again, like you said, hopefully he doesn't get put out. You know, yeah. hopefully he's able to go out uh, with his head held high. Uh, I think he can win the fight. Uri Hall is not a walkthrough, but I, I think Anderson Silva still can win this fight. Uh, I have yeah. no idea what the odds are. Uh, be cheering for him left and right. But again, in a week, we're going to lose uh, Habib and Anderson Silva. Uh, I think if anything, uh, we should leave it on this, that a- a- MMA fans should uh, remember or at least uh, appreciate the what we're seeing in front of us because – Guys can retire at any point, and if you're a huge sports fan, obviously, like we are, uh, these are these are the guys that we live for, and these are what we, you know, these are the guys we're going to be telling our our nieces and nephews or grandkids yeah. or anything about, uh, you know, when we're when we're on our deathbed, it's going to be, hey, did, you know, before yeah, like, I die, when, did you make sure you the watch old, Anderson Silva? When you we're know? like the old, when we're like the old men in the barbershop from coming to America, the way they're talking about boxing, that'll be us uh-huh. talking about MMA. exactly, and we might still be doing it on this podcast. 30 years from now, yeah. who knows, but, uh, <laughs> but anyway, so let's wrap up there. Uh, again, fans check us out at all access, Uh, you can get our video podcast, uh, their weekly Blogboard jungle, uh, and anchor generally, uh, will, uh, be the first ones to kick out our audio, uh, our audio, uh, of the podcast. Uh, check me out on Twitter and Instagram at, at MMA Hawk 21. You can check out Ed at Carbazal on Twitter, Carbeerzal on Instagram, Old Head Carb on uh, on Twitch, uh, Musashi Lima, Anderson Silva. Talk to you about it again next week, Ed. I look forward to it. I'm fired up. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a good weekend and happy Halloween. There don't it is. Happy, make, but don't don't ignore any trick or treaters as they come to your door. It's Halloween and kids need something. Exactly. <laughs> kids get out there. Parents have them out. Reward them with some good candy yeah. and. Uh, and some smiles and good cheer. They'll be wearing uh, like masks said, anyway. <laughs> there it is. Uh, <laughs> best to everybody. Thanks to everybody that listens. Uh, talk to you next weekend. Peace. Hey guys, Ed here, East Coast side of the Coast to Coast Combat Hour podcast. If you like what we're doing, make sure you subscribe on youtube and anywhere you listen to podcasts also if you'd like to help us out and donate uh the support links are in any of the uh podcast descriptions and then some of the links are also provided on our youtube channel the blogboard jungle um thanks again for listening and if you give us some support we'll give you a shout out on the podcast maybe uh bring you on for a ufc pay-per-view breakdown or two thanks again <laughs>